Hello and welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Regina Lally. And Neil Partridge, hello. Neil's with us this week, stepping in for Kelly, who's taken some well-deserved leave. So following on from last week's discussion about data protection frustrations that individuals experience when engaging with companies, we thought this week we'd flip it around and talk about data protection from the organisational perspective. And what we really wanted to focus on is that sort of misconception that we've both heard in conversations in our networks, Neil, that is, you know, we don't process any personal data. And, you know, often that's something that's said with a misunderstanding about what personal data is. Very much so. I mean, this is actually a reoccurring theme and I'm, I'm hearing it more and more and I do wonder if the situation regarding Brexit is confusing matters slightly but I mean I'll give you one really good example was one of a, a law firm I got I was speaking with recently who said we're not a data processor at all and I after two and a half years three years after GDPR I found that staggering they felt that they didn't process so rather obviously there's the data processor data controller terms but they felt that they didn't process any personal data that they were responsible for as a controller it meant that they didn't need to register with the that was that was kind of the inference I was getting. Yeah, I was rather surprised. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't think that's true. Maybe, <laughs> I don't think it can be true. A, there may be a shroud of misconception there, I think. But also, yeah, so this, this GDPR not relevant to us anymore thing is quite a worry. And I also heard from another solicitor during the course of this week who said that she heard from a speaker in legal circles who uh, essentially said that the GDPR is gone. It um, it is no more. It does not exist. Now I wasn't there for that statement, so it may well be that what they're really saying is the EU GDPR has changed. It's uh, what they're really meant to say is everyone welcome the UK GDPR. And of mm. course, the Protection Act of 2018, which applies to us anyway, regardless of what Europe does, uh, pretty much. But yes, there are still statements going out there like that, which even if they're made as in joke or a jest, they are misleading. And Absolutely. I mean, and I think it's just important to, you know, on all of those, it's really important to flag that obviously data protection is still here in the UK, very much so alive and kicking. You know, it's been in place for 40 years. The GDPR and the Data Protection Act 2018 are just the latest iteration. And the EU GDPR is still very much here in that if you're a UK company who deals with EU citizens' data, you still have to comply with the EU GDPR. So that's not gone anywhere either. So yeah, just for all our listeners to reassure you all, data protection's here, Data Protection Act 2018. UK GDPR is a thing. And then if you do deal with Europe, then you absolutely should be considering the EU GDPR as well. Now, you know, I want to take the sides of businesses, especially small businesses, because a lot of medium and small businesses don't have the resource of the larger businesses where data protection is concerned. You know, we, we want to help, we want to support those businesses. By supporting sure. them, we support everybody, including ordinary people like me, like you, Regina, as data subjects. And absolutely. one of the other statements we're hearing, I mean, this is all coming at the wrong time, isn't it? I mean, if, if it wasn't the Brexit's going on. We've also got a pandemic, which means that it's homeschooling. It's very, very difficult to focus on things. But one of the other statements I've heard two or three times this week is, well, the GDPR is still being figured out. We've got six months, haven't we? Which isn't entirely true. And of course, it, it also indicates that possibly organisations might be, I understand people wanting to make sure they've got facts straight before they put a lot of resource into it, when probably they haven't got much resource to put into it in the first place. But I think we might come to that in a bit in terms of things that can be done quite simply. But there's also the element of some organisations are hanging on and hanging on and will try and do something at the last minute. Whereas in actual fact, that technically will be too late. 
if you haven't already done it, now is the time to actually put resource in or thinking into resolving it. Because I'm hearing that the, I know the equivalency agreement isn't everything to do with data protection, but I'm right in thinking we're expecting news on that quite quickly, not in the end of June, but fairly soon. That's what we're hearing. I've seen um, a few articles in the last week that have suggested that it could be relatively imminent, as in within the next few weeks. I believe that it's been passed on to, it's been approved and then passed on to the member state to give their stamp of approval. So as far as my understanding goes, it's looking hopeful that the adequacy agreement will be met, which is then good for maintaining data flows from Europe to the UK. So I think that's a, a kind of a mini tangent off onto to Brexit and busting some of those myths and making sure that sort of listeners are up to date on where, where's going on there. But certainly I think there's sort of making sure that sort of businesses being able to keep on top of all of these aspects that sort of can change and, and can change relatively quickly or announcements can be made and if you're not aware then you can miss them it's hard for businesses to keep on top of and I think you know I guess picking up on that sort of idea of not processing personal data you know the other thing that we've had quite a few queries come through lately is um, businesses receiving a letter from the ICO about paying their data protection fee and you know the first question they'll have to us is is this a scam you know it's not a scam it's a genuine letter from the ICO and they will be looking at VAT registered businesses checking you know the sector that they're working in whether or not they believe that they should have registered with the ICO as a data controller. I would imagine that that law firm you mentioned probably has received one of those letters. And, you know, I think, you know, it's a very basic level of you should be paying a fee as a business to the ICO. That's how they're funded. They're not funded by the fines. They're funded by the data protection fee. But so many people, I think, either don't realise that they should have registered or believe that they don't process personal data and so don't have to register. And I think that's that misconception often comes around from maybe a bit of a misunderstanding about what constitutes personal data. So people assume if they're not processing what I think is commonly termed sort of consumer data, so if they're not selling to consumers, then they feel we don't need to to worry, we don't have to process, we're not processing personal data. Whereas, you know, if you've got staff, absolutely, you're already processing personal data and you need to be considering how you're using that information and be careful about it, whether or not that means you then do need to register with the ICO or not. And I think it's really interesting. I think one of the things that you've been hearing, Neil, is around tech startups and... Often where you you know they've got a great idea and I know sort of some so many years even in health tech over the years when we've sort of been at various different events there'll be companies that are saying you know they're going to do this great thing with the data collect it and it'll be really good for target group of people that they're looking to work with they want to engage with the NHS which again fantastic and then there's always typically there'll be somewhere along the line there'll be something about monetizing the data across all of that there, there's sort of no really consideration about what that necessarily means for individuals and them and you know concept of the fact they should be thinking about privacy and protection at that point necessarily i admit you know some obviously do but this kind of monetizing the data concept and not linking that to personal data and privacy it seems to be very very separate and actually if you don't do it right you're, you're lining up problems further down the line because people will flag that it's well, not right I, I think you know one day we're going to look back on these conversations we're going to laugh at ourselves because 10 years from now thinking about data with the same as putting on the seatbelt when you get in the car you're just going to do it but it's it, you know we've 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 all been thrown into the internet world really just in the last 15, maybe 20 years. And we're all learning the rules. You know, for the first 2,000 years since since the Romans were here, <laughs> we've got all the cards. And now someone's given us a space rocket and we're learning how to use the space rocket. Again, taking the side, I'm not, I'm not taking anybody's side in particular, but I do feel for small businesses who perhaps don't stand the data processing. When we start to move out of this horrible situation, healthcare situation we've got with the pandemic and the, the economic situation, oh, and Brexit, by the way. So all these things, 
going on. It's going to be a lot of the thrust of the rebuild of our economy is going to come from startups. It's going to come from small businesses. Lots that are starting up and very optimistic and we wish them well. But it would be dreadful. And here's an example. It would be dreadful if a startup had a wonderful idea, wonderful to drive the economy, wonderful for themselves and wonderful for healthcare. If they were doing a health tech app, for instance, monitoring something. And I've seen on the news recently, a few of these where the apps have actually proven to be not valid. We, we're not told why. But can you imagine being a an app development company that has this great idea to develop a healthcare app or a monitoring app or something like that? Now, to prove its worth, in other words, the value of your business as an app development company, you've got to be able to demonstrate it because the big players, the NHS or big pharma companies, whatever they happen to be, health tech companies are going to say, yeah, we'd like to buy this from you. We've got our checkbooks at the ready. Can you show us the data? We want to see proof of this because one thing I do know about the healthcare sector, they want to see proof after proof after. Yes, we've got 2,000 subjects who've done this, including the word subjects, by the way. We've actually trialled this. Great, show us the data. Ah, we can't use it. Why not? Because we didn't have adequate privacy and data protection controls in place when we took that personal sensitive data, because it's healthcare data. In other words, by not having that in place, you've just devalued your company, which could be worth millions, because the people who are buying these companies or buying the applications are paying big bucks for them and they will want to be absolutely sure that they're they're valid and they're worthwhile and to do that you've got to have data and you can't use the personal data you've accumulated unless you're absolutely certain you follow the right procedures and you will get found out because you don't want to get found out at the wrong end so it is very much about and i think this is where possible we can deliver a few helpful ideas here so having you having dispelled the myths regina about gdpr and the data protection is still very much a thing regardless of brexit i think maybe there's a few things we could pick up for especially for small businesses to, to have a look at yeah for sure i think what Whatever your business is, I think it's important to recognise that personal data covers anything that can identify an individual. So that, you know, even a business address, you know, if you're connecting with other business contacts to widen your network, that's personal data. You need to consider how you're managing it. You've got staff information, things start to get a little bit more detailed there. You need to consider how you manage and protect that. You then need to think about the actual work you're doing. So what are your core activities? Does that involve personal data? Now, this is the point then where you need to then be considering should I be registering with the information commissioner's office? You know, If you're just collecting personal data to administer your own business, your client's contact information and your staff, then there's potential you may not need to. You should still do that self-assessment check on the ICO website. It's a really useful tool to go through. And it's really interesting to note that actually the first, very first question is, do you use CCTV for, on your premises for obviously non-domestic purposes? So if you're using it in a business to monitor your premises for sort of security purposes, it doesn't matter what the rest of your the answers to the questions are. You automatically have to register with the ICO. Regina, just cut across. Would it, did you think it's really a good sort of point, healthcare point or health check, a sense check point for organisations? In the same way as I automatically assume I'm going to have an accident when I get in a car, so I put a seatbelt on. Would it be reasonable for all organisations to say we probably should be registered with the with the, the DPO, the, the, the ICO? Start from that perspective and then find out if they don't need to be, but at least start with the perspective we probably should be. Would that be a reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know organisations can choose to register so for the majority of small businesses it's going to be 40 pound a year you know it's not very much i think it also provides reassurance to your stakeholders that you've considered data protection and i think that's in this day and age a really good thing to have have flagged so but absolutely i would start from the presumption yes we need to register then do the self-assessment to check whether you have any of the exemptions that apply you know we've kind of talked about it already a little bit in terms of thinking about what it is you're processing you know in those core activities what's the nature of the data you're collecting have the understanding about why you're collecting it 
don't suddenly think we'll just amass a lot of data because we might need it one day. We're always saying just collect what you need. And then you can be thinking, if you can be thinking from the very start of your business or the early stages of your business about managing personal data in a good way and a, a way that is secure and respectful of individuals' privacy, you're going to be setting yourself up with the good foundations for a great business. And I think if your idea, when we're thinking about tech companies, whether that's in health tech or any other apps or technology that's going to use people's data, really think about privacy by design. And there's, you know, some really good insight on the Information Commissioner's website about what they mean by that. But it's about putting privacy at the forefront of anything you're doing as an organisation. And I think that's even more important when you're designing things like apps that are potentially going to use personal data, then whether or not your core app uses the personal data, if your premise is to monetize the data through selling ads or the data on for advertising to give other companies insight into individuals, you really, really, really do need to think about how you're doing that. That's something that's being looked at more stringently and closely by privacy advocate. You know, they will be looking through different privacy policies. They can sort of reverse engineer apps to see what's happening within them. So you're not going to get away with spying on individuals. And I think I'd like to think we'll come to a point where investors will be looking at this kind of thing. I'm sure there are some already. And maybe this is something we can pick up on another week, uh, you know, because I'm aware of time whizzing by. But, thing, you know, new things like the Clubhouse app, they're looking at getting investment. But when you look at their privacy practices, you know, I'm starting to see some articles coming through that are questioning those. And I'm sort of building up the sort of knowledge bank there. But it'd be good to see investors challenging those tech startups who have good privacy in place to be respectful of individuals and their data so that we can move forward in that space where people don't have to disclose information to connect with others i, I would say there's that you know we are nowadays we hold and increasingly we hold businesses of all sizes and especially investors we hold them to task we, we make them tell us about their environmental and green credentials data i i, I can i know what you're saying Richard, i agree well I'll put my neck on the line here and say to be an ethical investor, you have to have considered data protection ramifications of what you're investing in. And there's no other way around it. There's no polite way of saying it. You would have to be an, you would have to be an ethical investor. Just like if you wanted to open a coal mine, or I know that's in the news at the moment, but if you wanted to do something that would cause or lead to or support any polluting activity, you'd have to think very hard before you've got involved in that as an investor. I would certainly like to see a level of care brought to data protection. In the future, I think it will. But it's about I think people need to be aware that that's an issue. But yes, that would be a great podcast. The, the ethical aspects of, um, of data protection in business very good excellent right well i mean that time is whiz by as always so thank you very much i think that's a good place to leave it some ideas for for future discussions thanks very much for joining us this week neil and stepping in for kelly she'll be back next week if you want to send any questions in or your thoughts or you'd like any topic to be covered in in future podcasts please do drop us an email at coffee at dbxuk.com we'd love to hear from you and just thank you very much for listening and hope you enjoyed the episode we'll see you again soon <laughs>